come to the evocative exchange where we meet with go-getters who have that X factor, a way of meeting today's challenges with bold and evocative solutions, we'll share what keeps these experts thinking, thriving, and feeling inspired in design, entrepreneurial life, healthcare marketing, and beyond. Today on the Evocative Exchange, we welcome Christine Olivo, a social media content editor who has been living with irritable bowel syndrome since 2007. And with April being IBS Awareness Month, we wanted to talk with Christine about her struggles to manage the pain, anxiety, and loneliness that comes with IBS. Christine created an Instagram account called My IBS Life in June of 2019 as a way to cope through humor. Her page has now become a home and community of 46,000 plus chronic illness warriors who are looking to be understood, heard, and validated. Christine, I'm so happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, this is going to make a great start to IBS awareness. This is, um, it's really interesting as I was um, watching your social streams, especially your YouTube, and I started to realize how chronic of an illness IBS is. I, I honestly did not realize irritable bowel syndrome was a, a lifelong affliction and, and some of the severity of it. I would love to hear a little bit about your journey. Um, and, um, and because I didn't know much about it, I'm, I'm sure our listeners would like to hear what is IBS and what's, what's been your experience with it? Sure. Um, funny that you say that because I think even in our community, there's a lot of question of, is this a chronic condition or is it not? Um, so for me, um, yeah, I've been dealing with it for over 15 years now. So certainly chronic to me. And a lot, a lot of times with IBS, the symptoms people will have are, you know, bloating, cramping, um, constipation, diarrhea, switching between the two, um, and just a lot of like abdominal discomfort. Um, so for me, uh, those were all the exact symptoms I had started with back in 2006. Um, I developed IBS because I had gotten strep throat a few times in a row within a short few months. I was constantly on antibiotics, which stripped away all the good bacteria in my gut. Um, and because of that, I started having all these symptoms, the bloating. Um, I personally switched between having diarrhea and constipation. Back then, it would switch every day, every few days, it was really hard to manage and keep up with and to know what was coming next. Um, and that's pretty much how my journey started and the symptoms I was experiencing. Um, and yeah, I started going to doctors after that, getting tests done. And ultimately I was given the diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome. I, I think it's really interesting to talk about gut health. That's definitely a buzzword um, that I hear a lot today. And I didn't realize that they could, the doctors could pinpoint what caused IBS. Is, is there other things that cause it that you know of? What, what other things can we talk about that people need to think when they think about gut health? Sure. So there's a lot of causes with IBS. So it can be something like mine with, um, you know, antibiotics and prescriptions. Um, honestly, a lot of the time people get IBS from stressful events that happen in their life. 
Um, I know someone that developed IBS because planning their wedding was incredibly stressful. I know people that have developed IBS because they lost a loved one in a family and grieving and all that stuff brought on a lot of, you know, stomach upset. Um, but also, you know, it, it can be due to the foods we're eating. Some people get IBS from food poisoning or a really bad stomach flu. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that can bring it on and bring it on suddenly. You know, with artificial intelligence being so prevalent today, a lot of chronic diseases are getting a longer runway as far as diagnosis goes. They're able to look at um, things that all of the uh, people afflicted have in common. And I think it's interesting that there's all these sort of random causes for IBS, but I wonder if behind all that, there's some underlying commonality. Have are you, are you following like artificial intelligence and, and how it's uh, elevating healthcare diagnoses? Um, to, to be honest, no, I, I'm not. That's actually completely new to me, <laughs> but very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, con considering what it takes to get diagnosed with IBS, and I want you to talk about that, um, I, I just think if there was an easier path to the diagnosis, that would, that would really help people. Um, how old were you when you were diagnosed? And talk a little bit about those invasive tests that you had to go through. Sure, yeah, I, um, I believe I was 12 when I started going through the testing. Um, it was seventh grade of middle school. And all of it, yeah, it was very overwhelming and it was a lot to go through. And um, I'm very appreciative to have a mother that was there with me the whole time. Um, but yeah, you know, it started with going to the pediatrician, um, him running some blood tests and then sending me to specialists and getting more blood tests. You know, they always check first for if there's any food allergies, um, especially when patients come in with, you know, um, diarrhea and stuff. They test for celiac disease to see if, you know, you can't tolerate gluten. So we did that. Uh, I was even told to go gluten-free for a while. Um, and then as those tests started to come back and nothing blaringly obvious was showing up, um, that was when I then went to a different gastroenterologist and ended up getting a colonoscopy and an endoscopy at the age of 13. Um, and again, when I went through that and nothing really showed up, you know, there was no crazy inflammation or anything uh, that the end was, result was irritable bowel syndrome. So it's sort of like if we can rule out everything else, we're going to call it IBS. Does that mean that a lot of different type of symptoms get lumped into IBS, making everyone who has it have a different experience? Absolutely. I think that's what a lot of us talk about is exactly like you said, it's when even my doctor said to me, uh, you know, it, it's nothing else. So we're just going to say it's irritable bowel syndrome, which is not very comforting. It's like, are you guessing or <laughs> is that you, you've just given up? Um, so yeah, there are a lot of people that, you know, get misdiagnosed um, or, you know, we're, we're not sure if those symptoms really are IBS, but that's just kind of where it ends. Wow. I think another thing that really shocked me, and then again, maybe it didn't, but the fact 
that there's not a huge game plan for what happens after the diagnosis. What have you learned in the years that you've been battling this illness? Sure. So I think I learned early on, um, and you know, this is my personal experience. I know everyone has different experiences, but I unfortunately learned that a lot of these doctors that I was looking to, um, to give me answers and to make me feel better and all this stuff, um, they, they weren't doing that. So I started seeking other things. I started seeing a registered dietitian, which I think has been the most helpful. Um, but, and especially now there's so many other options out there, even just like apps and stuff you can download on your phone. Um, but yeah, especially back then when I was first diagnosed, there wasn't a lot out about IBS. So it, it was, it was kind of tough. Um, and I wasn't really sure where to turn to, but the registered dietitian was the best route for me personally. So you try to help other people with IBS have access to some of the things that are working well. And one of those things is about having a food plan. You're a little bit um, a sarcastic sometimes about the food plan because it just, just tell us about it because you have a, you have a great name for it and it seems like you've mastered it. But it, I, I think in the beginning, it seems very underwhelming as a solution. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always the go-to with IBS is to look at the diet. Mm -hmm. um, there is a very popular diet right now called the low FODMAP diet. That is pretty much every doctor's go-to mm -hmm. uh, thing for people to try first. And essentially it's a diet where you strip down pretty much everything in your diet and you slowly add in different types of foods to see which foods are bothering you and which aren't. Um, I personally was never told to go on it. I don't think it was as popular when I was diagnosed and, and seeing um, all these doctors. So, you know, there, there's a lot of different diets that people go on. There's the gluten-free, there's dairy-free, there's the low FODMAP. Um, for me personally, I, I get frustrated that there's a lot of emphasis on the dietary stuff because while that is 100% some people's triggers, food and food alone, for me personally, food is not my biggest trigger for my IBS. It's more lifestyle based. You know, it's my stress, it's my emotions, it's is my sleep schedule off, you know, am I traveling? Like those are the bigger things that bother me. So when people get lost in just looking at what are people eating and are they eating right and what type of diet are they on? It, it can be frustrating to me personally, just knowing that that's not always the cause. Right. And I mean, I think that's also a lot of work to get to the end of that journey and perhaps not have it be the, the trigger. I, I can imagine that must be frustrating. Um, recently, I saw a commercial on TV about someone who was talking about it wasn't necessarily the FODMAP diet, but it was someone who was saying that they wanted to find out what trigger foods they had. And they did one of those 23andMe, one of those DNA tests. Have you, I mean, that would be a much quicker way to try to figure out what foods are bothering you. Do you think that's relevant for IBS? That's really interesting. I've actually never heard of that from anyone with IBS. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, actually, I kind of want to try it now <laughs> and, and see if that would help. That, I mean, yeah, that would be awesome. 
if that did. And like you said, it'd be much quicker than having to journal your food for years and really see what's bothering you. But that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I always like to look to the future with healthcare. The, the constant is, is that it's always improving, especially now telemedicine is bringing um, healthcare into the home. So if someone can't travel or they really don't you know, feel well that day, they don't have to miss their appointment, then there's all the data that, you know, coming together to give us more information. And now like this, this DNA. So I feel like it, I wonder if you think is there a cure on the horizon or is there a viable treatment that brings long-term relief? Like, where are you at with that? Sure. So if you had asked me this, even probably a few years ago, I would have been like, no, there, there's nothing. Like, I'm going to be dealing with this for forever. And, um, you know, that's what, like, having a good healthcare professional of any kind, like, will make the difference of seeing that. I personally believe that I will have IBS for the rest of my life, but I will learn, continue to learn mm -hmm. how to manage it so that I can live a very high quality life. And every once in a while, again, you know, if my stress is off or something, I, I might have symptoms, but they won't weigh me down as much as they used to. And um, I was even listening to my registered dietitian speaking on a panel this morning, and she was saying, you know, there is no cure, you know, quote unquote for IBS, but, you know, we're still researching, we're still doing the work. So, you know, hang on. <laughs> well, recently I've seen um, a lot of advertising around diseases that like psoriasis, Crohn's, migraines, things that are chronic, just like IBS. And now there's treatments and drugs and, and different things that, that people can take as a remedy. Um, I hope really that that's where we're headed for IBS as well. And, and with April being IBS Awareness Month, um, like what type of activities are planned? What kind of organizations become active to get this awareness out there so that progress can be made? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of other, like myself included and other content creators in kind of the chronic illness IBS space are doing a lot of different things um, just from patient based, you know, experiences. They're going live and they're doing giveaways of like really cool products that are supposed to help people with IBS or gut issues. Um, there is on April 19th, it's National IBS, I think, Awareness Day. And there's a whole organization dedicated to just doing that, having a bunch of people speaking on different platforms. Um, and it's also been really cool that I've had a lot of different uh, companies and brands reaching out to me for this month too, to promote all these new products that are coming out to help people with IBS, whether it's you know certain foods that they can now eat or different supplements or probiotics or whatever it might be so there is a lot going on and it is opening my eyes to seeing that there's a lot of new change in the IBS world so yeah it's it's gonna be a pretty cool month yeah I think it's great to see a young person on the forefront of the communication around IBS and I wondered if as you were growing up were, were there was there anyone as a public figure that you knew of that had IBS Honestly, uh, no, <laughs> I uh, was very alone in my IBS and especially because back in 2006, 2007, I really don't feel like 
people talked about IBS even the way we do now. Like people, the way we talk about IBS now is so different, especially with young people. They're making it into a meme and it's funny and it's all over TikTok, it's all over Instagram. But back when I was 13 years old, no one was talking about it. It was very taboo. So um, honestly, no, I wish I had though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think what's really great is that now, people who are diagnosed have you an influencer extraordinaire all over social media on six or seven different mediums. And I wonder like, how did that come about? Yeah. I mean, I, I think people, especially like the reason I even made my account was because no one was talking about it. And I felt so alone and I had a best friend who had it, but even the two of us are very different in our IBS and I was like, you know what, I need a creative outlet to talk about this. And I slowly started seeing that other people were talking about it too. And then I, I think it kind of just blew up. <laughs> I, I don't really know how we got here, but yeah, other people started talking about it. And now I think a lot of people want to share their experiences and journeys and uh, it's really cool. Did you expect it to gain as much popularity and followers as it has? Absolutely not. I, <laughs> I remember when I started it, I literally said, if I could even get 500 followers, like that would be insane. Like I can't even fathom getting to 500 followers. Um, and within the first month of my IBS life, I had a thousand. And then the week after that, I had 2000 and it, it, it just blew up. So never in my wildest dreams did I think this would become as big as it has. I think that's, it's, it's insane. Just really exceeding any expectation. And, and I know that you're doing this full time now. Um, and there's a great story behind that. Tell us about it. Sure. So um, obviously COVID hit, <laughs> we all went through the pandemic and I was working at a corporate job. Um, it was in marketing and it was in healthcare. And I was actually really unhappy at my job and it was kind of the best thing that ever happened, even though I didn't know it yet, but I got laid off during COVID. And I remember panicking and my fiance panicked and we we're like, what am I going to do? And uh, him and my friends and my family were honestly like, what have you tried to make something out of my IBS life? Like, so uh, that's what I did. I really tried to hustle with it and see what I could do. And now my IBS life is a huge part of my job. And so how many platforms are you on? Just, just call them out. Sure. So I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm on TikTok, YouTube. I have my own podcast. Um, I, I, oh, Twitter. Uh, I think that's it. I like to say I'm in every corner of the, uh, I am on Facebook. Yes. Um, yeah. I try to be in every corner of the internet. <laughs> I think your YouTube channel is probably like the most effective that I've seen as far as really helping people and the way that you theme your sessions in terms of this is something that an average American would do. They would go to a wedding maybe it's in a different state, maybe they'd stay overnight at a hotel, but for someone with IBS, it's a whole different story and it can be very difficult. And each one of your sessions um, 
shows a different thing that for an IBS sufferer, uh, there's some strategies that you can share. Like, how did you come up with that idea? So I feel like, you know, when you are a content creator, you're always thinking of, you know, how, how can I make content out of what I'm going through right now? So as I have like either intrusive IBS thoughts, or if I'm in a situation, like you just said, where I was traveling, I was at a wedding. I'm like, this is the perfect time to just sit down and either write it out so I can talk about it later or sit down and film it right now in the moment um, and, and just post it. So really it's just coming from real life experiences. I think that your authentic manner of delivery is what's so effective. I could only imagine, you know, not being able to talk to too many people about something and then seeing someone that's really engaging like you are. And one of the things that I just loved was how your proposal went with your fiance. I would love for you to tell that story. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I got uh, engaged uh, pretty much a year ago and the whole proposal was around my IBS. So um, my fiance knows that I hate going out to dinner. It makes me anxious. I feel like I'm going to get sick. So he couldn't do that. He knows I pretty much hate leaving the house. So he didn't want to do anything grand. So he was like, one night he was like, I'm just going to make dinner. And uh, he knew that after I ate dinner, I would inevitably feel sick. And he looked at me and he was like, do you want to take a bath? And I was like, because a bath is one of the main things that helps me feel better when I'm nauseous. And I was like, well, we're hanging out. And he was like, no, 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 no. Let me run you a bath, which he has never once offered to do. <laughs> that was already very strange. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he went upstairs and he was running me a bath for what felt like an hour. And I was like, what is going on? Um, and he came down the stairs and he looked at me and he said, do not go up there. I'm I'm sick. Like I'm having bathroom issues. And I was like, what is happening? And then he came back a little bit later and was like, okay, your bath's ready. And I was like, okay, I don't really want to take a bath if you just blew up the bathroom, but okay. So I went upstairs and he had run me a bath. He wasn't actually sick. That was just his excuse as to why it was taking so long. And he had put, you know, a bunch of floating candles and flower petals and everything in the bath and made like a little flower raft with my ring inside of it so it was definitely on brand Wow, <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> that's I mean that's incredibly romantic and wonderfully considerate one of the things that you really get across is that it's hard for other people to understand the seriousness of IBS and so clearly he gets it what advice can you give to family and friends of other IBS sufferers um, to give them some tips on how they could be more supportive? I think probably the main struggle with even just me and my fiance, first of all, it was on my side of always thinking that other people either don't care about what I'm going through or they won't understand. So my advice for you know, other people with IBS is to give other people a chance at understanding what you're going through, mm -hmm. have a sit down conversation with them and tell them what's going on. And people are a lot more understanding and, and accepting of what you're going through than you think. On the other side of things to, you know, friends and family, significant others who um, know of someone or a loved one that has IBS um, is exactly that, like just be understanding, be 
patient, as patient as you can. Know that the person with IBS isn't just blowing you off every time they have to cancel something. They're genuinely sick. They feel 10 times worse than you feel about having to reschedule. Um, you know, listen to them. Uh, if they just need to vent about things, um, you know, don't invalidate what they're going through um, and, and ask questions because if you're asking them questions about their IBS, they're going to be a lot more comfortable to be open and honest with you. I think that's great advice and it's particularly relevant for family and friends because the intimacy of the relationship, but what in the world do you do at work when you have to talk to your boss or HR um, about, you know, missing a lot of work. Sure. This is something I get asked a lot and it's, I just want to say off the bat, it's a lot harder than I'm about to just say it. But for me personally with work, I would, you know, I would go to work and I would wait until the first time I either had to miss work or I had to leave early because of my IBS. And the next day I would come in I would go to my boss's office, shut the door, sit down with them. And that's when I would start the conversation of, I'm so sorry that I had to miss yesterday. Um, I have a chronic condition with my stomach. Uh, sometimes I, I might have to leave early or I, I might, you know, just not look like I'm feeling well today. Um, but I, I promise I want to be here. Um, I want to do my work. If there's any way I can work from home on those days um, or make up the hours later in the week, like I, I'm totally down to do that. Um, and I just really try to give off the impression of I'm not blowing work off. I, I'm not faking sick. And I, I really want to be here. So maybe there was a silver lining to the pandemic and social distancing mandates when, you know, 90% of the workforce experienced becoming virtual remote workers, and as well as corporations seeing that they could operate under those conditions. Yeah, absolutely. I can't tell you how many of my followers have told me, like, I am so glad I get to work from home now. It, it, it has like made some people's symptoms like stop because they wow. don't have to worry about the stress of going into work. Like they, they can be comfortable in their own home and that enough is enough to make them feel better. Wow. Um, I just think it's so great what you're doing. And, you know, with 46,000 viewers and gaining, like what, what's next for you? Like, where do you think this could go? Sure. I mean, I'm already so grateful for where it's brought me that I am able to do this full time and that this is my job. Um, to be completely honest, I kind of just take it all day by day. I'm currently working with really awesome companies and brands that are trying to make a difference for IBS patients. So I'm excited to work more with them. Um, I'm excited. I have a few other exciting things coming up. And so um, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I think it's really interesting when you get into that level of product placement. What do you do to validate the brand, the advertiser, uh, before you like do business with them? So I always am upfront with the company or the brand and tell them like I need to try the product myself. I need to make sure I like it and it benefits me um, before I'll go and promote it to my followers. And I also let my followers know that as well that I've tried this um, it helped me and I always give you know the disclaimer of you know there's no cure fits all what helps me might not help you but I've tried this um, and and it was really good for me so 
that's kind of how I try to validate it. <laughs> well, I think that you're definitely a blessing to the IBS community and you're incredibly easy to talk to. Like this time flew by. So I can understand why there's so many people that are tuning into your many channels. And um, I want to, I want to let everyone know that we will put links to all of your social mediums um, down in the notes of the podcast. And um, Christine, I hope a lot more people get to find you, people that are suffering, maybe people that aren't even diagnosed yet, people that um, are diagnosed, that, that are lacking hope. And I, and I really think that you're going to make such a huge difference in this world. And I really want to thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. So this has been the Evocative Exchange that explores people and businesses that have that X factor that keeps you inspired and focused on what's possible. Thank you.